Welcome everyone. Uh, and maybe I haven't said this in this way exactly, but um, I wanted to, to be explicit about how much I look forward to this time every week. Uh, a time to uh, invigorates my practice as I have to uh, come to what I want to speak about or a prompt that I might want to bring for our inquiry. But also, I look forward to seeing all of you. Uh, it's a time when so many of us can um, can connect deeply. So I very much look forward to it. We'll be getting our, our sitting now. And at the end of the sitting, um, uh, most commonly, we will chant the verse of the robe. Today, I'm going to ask that we follow something a little different when we finish. Um, we're actually going to read together. I'll screen share through um, a one translation of the Heart Sutra. And uh, so just stay tuned and I'll make that available to us after we sit.
I also um, would like to reiterate as we step forward from our sitting how much I appreciate your sitting with me. It's wonderful to have a time during the week when we can sit together. Uh, this past Sunday was Valentine's Day. And I don't know if it shows up on your screen, but at the very top of the the Zoom webinar information, there's the little thing that says the, it's being recorded. And there's a red dot and it's pulsing. It looks like a heartbeat. Um, and this is some of what I would like to focus on today. I'm going to share my screen for a moment so that we might, um, um, I say chant, but it's essentially read through um, a version of the Heart Sutra. The Heart Sutra, as some of you know, is probably the most frequently chanted piece of Buddhist scripture in the world. And some of you are quite familiar with this, but some of you not at all. So I thought it would be worth taking a look at today. As we go through it, especially if you've not seen it before, read through it before, don't worry about understanding it. That's some of what I'm going to be commenting on today. Just let yourself get a feel for uh, these teachings, and then I'll say a few, few things about it. Here we go. And hopefully that's okay. <clears throat> this is the translation by Kaz Tanahashi and Joan Halifax. The Sutra on the Heart of Realizing Wisdom Beyond Wisdom. And I just, I'll read through. You can read with me if you'd like, out loud or silently. Uh, and we'll go through the whole thing. Avalokiteshvara who helps all to awaken, moves in the deep course of realizing wisdom beyond wisdom, sees that all five streams of body, heart, and mind are without boundary, and frees all from anguish. O Shariputra, the one who listens to the teachings of the Buddha, form is not separate from boundlessness. Boundless is not separate from form. Form is boundlessness. Boundlessness is form. Feelings, perceptions, inclinations, and discernment are also like this. O Shariputra, boundlessness is the nature of all things. It neither arises nor perishes, neither stains nor purifies, neither increases nor decreases. Boundlessness is not limited by form, nor by feelings, perceptions, inclinations, or discernment. It is free of the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind, free of sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, and any object of mind, free of sensory realms, including the realm of the mind. It is free of ignorance and the end of ignorance. Boundlessness is free of old age and death and free of the end of old age and death. It is free of suffering, arising, cessation, and path, and free of wisdom and attainment. Being free of attainment, those who help all to awaken abide in the realization of wisdom beyond wisdom and live with an unhindered mind. Without hindrance, the mind has no fear. Free from confusion, those who lead all to liberation embody profound serenity. All those in the past, present, and future who realize wisdom beyond wisdom manifest unsurpassed and thorough awakening. 
Know that realizing wisdom beyond wisdom is no other than this wondrous mantra, luminous, unequaled, and supreme. It relieves all suffering. It is genuine, not illusory. So set forth this mantra, a realizing wisdom beyond wisdom. Set forth this mantra that says, Gate, gate, paragate, parasamgate, bodhiswaha. So, for those of you that are familiar with this, um, it's not surprising. For those of you who are unfamiliar with it or have not seen it very many times, almost all of us, when we first read it, it's, it's like, what is that? And what is it pointing to? But here's, here's what I think and what I would like to... Um, to speak about today. This is a love poem. Following Valentine's Day, the Heart Sutra is a love poem. So how could that possibly be? Well, here's a quick review. First of all, the cast of characters. It starts out with Avalokiteshvara, who's the Bodhisattva of compassion. This is the archetype of the compassionate being. That's She's the narrator. And this is the only case and all of the Mahayana Sutras in which Avalokiteshvara shows up and is the narrator. Not the Buddha, not some other teacher, but the Bodhisattva of compassion. And compassion is never mentioned in the Sutra. But the absence of the theme of compassion explicitly mentioned is countered implicitly by the fact that the wisdom that's essential to the attainment of Buddhahood, which is what this is about, is proclaimed by the Bodhisattva, who is the embodiment of compassion. So right off the, right off the, uh, the start, the, the cast of characters is telling us something really interesting. The exemplar of compassion is the one who's teaching us about the, the wisdom that goes beyond wisdom. And she's speaking to Shariputra. You know, she says, oh, Shariputra, and then she describes things. So he's like the student, but Shariputra in the original Buddhist scriptures is considered the wisest of the disciples of the Buddha. And here he is presented as perplexed and unable to understand the deeper meaning of the emptiness teachings, the, the shunyata teachings, and how they're related to compassion. Kind of like we are when we read this. So this is a very interesting way that this story begins. It's like all of us are watching all these things on Netflix and Amazon Prime to manage during the pandemic. Well, here's, here's a series in which has a very unusual cast of characters um, doing something that's very, very clever. So Bodhisattva of Compassion is speaking to this wisdom teacher about wisdom, demonstrating that it's all about love, actually. The message of the Heart Sutra is that f form and emptiness or form and boundlessness are not separate. It says form is emptiness. Emptiness is form. Form is boundlessness in this case. Boundlessness is form. These are the teachings uh, that are at the heart uh, of this. 
And by emptiness or boundlessness, we mean no separate identity. Everything is related to everything else. Everything arises in response to everything else. The separateness that we live with is a fiction. And this is the wisdom that goes beyond wisdom. This is the wisdom that, in our biblical teaching, surpasses all understanding. Um, and in this case, it means it surpasses the conventional Buddhist wisdom of the day when it was written. It goes past all the early teachings. Here's something a little more warm-hearted. From These are words by George Leonard, who was a, a writer in the human potential movement uh, in the past. He said, at the heart of each of us, whatever our imperfections, there exists a silent pulse of perfect rhythm, a complex of waveforms and resonances, which is absolutely individual and unique, and yet, which connects us with everything in the universe. The act of getting in touch with this pulse can transform our personal experience and in some ways alter the world around us. And this is what the Heart Sutra claims to do. In fact, in Chinese, the word that might be translated as shunyata or emptiness or boundlessness, this key teaching of wisdom beyond wisdom, is the same character for the sky. So the teachings are saying everything is like the vast, empty, brilliant sky. A sky that is blue and beautiful and expansive and always ready to receive anything. A bird, the wind, a cloud, the sun, an airplane, the moon. And the emptiness or boundlessness of the Heart Sutra isn't the emptiness of despair. It's the emptiness of all limitation. The emptiness of all boundaries. It's open released. This is the freedom that we practice for. If you want it in a phrase, which includes the Buddhist teachings on impermanence and interdependence, here's your phrase. Nothing is certain. Everything is free. Nothing is certain. Everything is free. See, when we're bound inside our own skin and others are bound inside of theirs, then I'm going to have to defend and protect myself from them. We see this a lot, don't we? And when I do, or if I do place myself among others, I might need to do so somewhat carefully. Uh, it's hard work because sometimes we're hurt. Uh, we're opposed, we're thwarted by others. We see this a lot these days, and we're not always up to the task. But when there's openness, no boundary between myself and others, when it turns out that I literally begin to feel myself as others, and them as me, then love and connection is easy, and it's natural. So, the emptiness teachings of the Heart Sutra which seemed to be rather philosophical and dour, as you noticed, is actually the necessary basis for compassion. Emptiness and compassion go hand in hand. John Sutherland famously said, 
and I've used this before, she said, compassion isn't a commodity we deliver, but a commitment to help liberate the intimacy already inherent in any situation. That this is the wisdom beyond wisdom, that there's liberation in every moment and everything. And compassion is a commitment to help liberate that intimacy. Compassion isn't something we do. Because if I see it as a transaction, me over here being compassionate to you over there, that's helpful. But it's pretty clunky and difficult. And if I'm going to be responsible to receive your suffering and do something about it, and if I'm going to make this kind of compassion the cornerstone of my spiritual life, then I'm going to become exhausted. Because there's an infinite amount of suffering that I'm going to be turning toward. But if I see boundarylessness, the spaciousness I'm speaking about, of me and you, if I understand the reality of the situation and recognize that my suffering and your suffering are one suffering, then that suffering is empty of separation. Uh, it's kind of weightless or there's no ultimate tragedy. Then I can do it. We're, we're moving in the same waters. I can be boundlessly compassionate and loving without limit. And living this way takes time and effort. That's what our practice is for. And maybe we never fully arrive at it, but it's a joyful, heartfelt path worth treading, and it's the one that we share. But even this big view is one-sided. It's a bit distorted because relative compassion, actual human warmth, and practical emotional support, where we roll up our sleeves and have to love somebody, this completes the picture. Absolute compassion makes it possible for us to sustain uh, joyfully the endless work of supporting and helping others. But relative compassion grounds this big view of life's empty nature in heart connection and engagement. Either view by itself is partial. It's not quite, quite there. But together, it makes for a wonderful, connected, and sustained life. <coughs> Pardon me. Form is boundlessness. Boundlessness is form. So if we remember Joan Sutherland's statement, a commitment to help liberate the intimacy already inherent in any situation, we can lose this natural quality of the commitment to liberate others when we hold ourselves separate from everything else. And this separation as a devaluation of ourself makes us small and a devaluation of the world. It makes it small and solid. To see others as separate from ourselves is to, to live in a kind of a dream or a delusion, the one we talk about, the self-centered dream. And it denies our own Buddha nature. But to see others as sharing in Buddha nature, not a person's Buddha nature, is to affirm our essential humanity. And in making a choice of compassion for all beings, we're doing more than giving expression to Buddha nature. It's, we realize that only in compassion does wisdom find its fullest expression. Only in compassion does wisdom find its fullest expression. And this is the Heart Sutra. This is how the Heart Sutra becomes 
a love poem. So I'm going to share it once again with understanding who the narrator is, who's being spoken to, that these are emptiness teachings trying to free us to the largest perspective. And I'm going to take some um, liberties, and so I apologize to all of the ancestors who have ever chanted the Heart Sutra and to the translators, because I'm going to do it a little strangely here. And I'm going to share the same version of the Heart Sutra I did before, but with some changes. And if you would, just follow along with me. So here we go. Here is the same one, except I've added with apologies for the ways that I've messed with it. Let's read through it again. And I've marked out some things and added some things. Avalokiteshvara, who helps all to awaken by being a living channel for compassion, moves in the deep course of realizing the uncharted manifestation of universal wisdom and kindness and sees that real love is without boundary and frees all from anguish. O Shariputra, she tells him, form is not separate from boundlessness, but form is not boundless. Form is boundlessness. Boundlessness is not separate from form. So we can appreciate boundlessness as our lives and as our loves. Form is boundless. Boundlessness is form. Feelings, perceptions, inclinations, and discernment are also like this. No matter how we orient to this world, no matter what we think, feel, or experience, this remains true. So Shariputra, boundlessness is the nature of all things. Your unbound heart and mind neither arises nor perishes, neither stains nor purifies, neither increases nor decreases. Boundlessness is not limited by form, nor by my feelings, perceptions, inclinations, or discernment. Everything is included within the unbound heart and mind if it is free of eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, mind, free of sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, object of mind, free of sensory realms, including the realm of the mind. It is free of ignorance and the end of ignorance. Everything arises within the unbound heart and mind. Boundlessness is free of old age and death and is free of the end of old age and death, is free of suffering, arising, cessation, path, and is free of wisdom and attainment. As the heart of unbound love opens, what would there be to attain? Being free of attainment, those who help all to awaken abide in the realization of wisdom beyond wisdom and live with an unhindered mind. The real freedom of your heart and mind flows as profound, impersonal love. This is where you live. Without hindrance, the mind has no fear. Free from confusion, those who lead all to liberation embody profound serenity. More love, less fear. This is the inconceivable reality that can be lived through your body. More love, less fear. All those in the past, present, and future who realize wisdom beyond wisdom manifest unsurpassable and thorough awakening. 
All who have awakened to this love manifested this same inconceivable truth and express it as everyday love. Knowing that realizing wisdom beyond wisdom is no other than this wondrous mantra, luminous, unequaled, and supreme, it relieves all suffering. It is genuine, not illusory. Set forth this mantra of realizing wisdom beyond wisdom. Set forth this mantra that says, Gate, Gate, Paragate, Parasamgate, Bodhisattva. And that mantra typically is translated as gone, gone, gone beyond, gone completely beyond. Um, and then a blessing. And I would say love, love, love beyond ordinary love. And even beyond what you can imagine. This is your true nature. This is truly your nature. So I know this is a rather unusual way to think about and read through the Heart Sutra, but I hope that you see that what looks is a Wisdom Sutra is actually a love poem. And it's only through compassion that we understand the deepest uh, teachings of wisdom. So it's a little more um, Buddhist history and, and philosophy and study today. But following um, Valentine's Day and also looking at the challenges of our world right now, I think it's an important piece to consider that this is the essence. Everything is uncertain and everything is free. If we understand, like Avalokiteshvara, the Bodhisattva of Compassion, that to deeply penetrate the wisdom teachings, we have to open our heart. And the very wisest teachers, like Shariputra, in order to understand um, the, the freedom that our practice offers us, has to penetrate the heart of compassion. That these things go hand in hand. Both the everyday love, where we take care of each other, and the big, big love that is outside of even human form, but needs to be expressed through our form. This is the love poem of the Heart Sutra. So if you have uh, questions or things that you'd like to speak about, please raise your hand and we'll, we'll consider these things. I know I've tried to pack in a lot here in a smart amount, small amount of time, but hopefully it, it's something that's, that's useful. Hi, Olivia. You're still muted there. There Thank you go. Thank you. Yes. Really? I was asked you to start the video. Okay, I've already. Good. Yeah. Okay. So um, I really liked your the way you led into into the explaining who the narrator was and who the speaking voice was too mm -hmm. that i could really hear this complicated which i've taken classes on and everything sure but it makes a difference doesn't it having that puts a different perspective on what's being said here and i like your notes because mentally you can't read this thing without having questions of your own of course so i really appreciate that uh 
It is mind boggling, Flint. Yes, it is. It take a lifetime of being a Buddhist to grasp it because the minute you slip a bit, you know, even the mention of the two things, you know, boundless is, <laughs> you know, right. whatever. And well, that is actually a teaching, isn't it, Olivia? That there's, you can't really nail it down. Yeah, and, and so it speaks a little, some, I've been reading a few things, but anyway. But you can't realize it. I'm sorry? You can realize it, even if you can't understand it. Yeah. So that's what it's about, is realizing. Uh, because words are words, and as long as we continue with the words, it's just endless. That's right, so, that's right. And that's why I spend so much time on the, uh, the narrator and the student, because people jump right into form is emptiness, emptiness is form, and they go on to all the, the skandhas and the, the Buddhist stuff, and they forget, oh, this is the Bodhisattva of Compassion, teaching the wisdom teacher about wisdom, because you can't understand it unless your heart opens. Now everything changes. Thank you. I'm going to work with this. I took screenshots. Hope you don't mind. I want to study this in with. Thank you. Well, and I, I apologize. My little notes are just things that are my impressions, but maybe they open it up a little bit. So. I will also, um, as we go to the next person, I will give uh, credit to the, um, the, the Sangha in, the, in uh, Sussex in the south of England, uh, for whom I gave a little class on the Heart Sutra yesterday. And so I was thinking about these things, obviously. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't do this part about it being a love poem so much. Um, but I appreciate their support and encouragement uh, helping me step forward because I, I really, following Valentine's Day, I really wanted to talk about this thing that seems so impenetrable as actually a, uh, a description of love. And, and by the way, as Stephanie comes on, I will say that if you go onto the uh, Appamata website, you can see the uh, there's a digital version of the chants and the version uh, of the Heart Sutra that I chanted, not my edited version, but the the is is in in that. So, Stephanie, hi, so happy to see you. It's been a long time. I'm happy. I'm happy to see you too. So. What I wanted to say was that um, I also took a screenshot like Olivia did. And the part that really touched me is that saying that, because I say the Heart Sutra every morning. Um, mm -hmm. And the part that really touched me is you made it personal. When That's you, what I was hoping to do, yeah. Yes, your unbound heart and mind. Mm -hmm. Everything is included within the unbound heart and mind. It just, um, that made such an impact on me just reading it on the screen. It almost brought me to tears that mm -hmm. I would think that my heart could be so unbound. Yes, well, these, the emptiness teachings, you know, are, it's called the Wisdom Beyond Wisdom Heart Sutra. So it's, it's giving us the biggest possible inconceivable ground on which we rest. And it stays there. And all I did is say, well, let's bring in the personal, because if boundlessness is, is form, then we can talk about form. Right, right. 
and instead of turning all the form into boundlessness. And I really like that distinction too that I'm, I came to understand that um, <clears throat> form isn't boundless. Form is boundlessness. Yes. That's a very different thing with a very subtle. It's not like, oh, form is boundless. No, form is the expression of boundlessness. Yeah. And so we can speak it from either side, and all I did was just speak it from the side it's normally not spoken from. Well, I, I appreciate it. It made a difference in me, and I think it's going to make a difference in my practice in the morning right. as I say the Heart Sutra. Well, I hope people remember now when they say the Heart Sutra, they think, oh, it's a love poem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Hello, Steve. Coming to us from what used to be called Oklahoma, but now it's the Arctic, huh? Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. It's just so good to see you. Thank you so much for these Tuesday songas. That's on. So having the two lines of the Heart Sutra that I wanted to ask you about, um, having particularly having just turned 70 or these two lines about there is no old age and death and no end to old age and death mm -hmm. so like i say having just turned 70 old age and death have been on my mind uh, this is my 70th year i'll at the end of the year i'll turn 70 so yeah so i have a sense of what this is talking about what these two lines are about uh -huh. Um, there is a sense sometimes in practice of uh, kind of that boundlessness that transcends the limitations of old age and death. Mm -hmm. And then it's followed by the line, but also there's no end to old age and death. Right, right. All right, so that's, that's the key. I guess it's holding both. Well, in a, in a way, yes. The, it's the, the translation that I was using, it says boundlessness is free of old age and death. It doesn't say there is no old age and death. The wisdom that goes beyond wisdom, shunyata, the emptiness, that perspective, that openness, is not touched by the designations of old age and death. That infinite mind and is, is old age and death arise within it. It's not touched by old age and death. And then the next line, and is free of the end of old age and death. Meaning that, and even if you go beyond old age and death, that doesn't even touch it. This freedom, this sky-like nature of mind, they say in Dzogchen, that Chinese character that's like the sky is so vast. It would be like saying, and you know, you and I, suppose you and I, when we were kids, if someone came at us in Sunday school that we went to, and they said, a God is free of old age and death. There's something bigger than old age and death. And, and if old age and death fall away, you're actually free of that too. It's something so vast you can't even imagine it. It's the understanding that surpasses, you know, all real understanding. It's it's a bigger picture. 
So this what this what makes it the wisdom beyond wisdom sutra. It's not the wisdom sutra that says form uh, boundlessness is free of old age and death. That's wisdom. The wisdom that's beyond wisdom says, well, and guess what? It's free of the end of old age and death. It's stepping beyond even that. That's what the mantra is about. This takes you out, out, even further out than that. It's free of being free of attainment and it's free of the end of attainment. It's, it's not having or not having. It's beyond that. It's not easily conceivable or talked about. <laughs> no, it's not. But I hope I'm speaking to what you're pointing to, though. I have to think about it. Good, good. I will suggest either Kaz Tanahashi and John Halifax's book on the Heart Sutra, from which this translation comes. And also there's a small volume by Musong called the heart of the universe. Uh, and he takes a look at it carefully, also along with modern physics, which is kind of interesting. But you're, you're pointing to a real key, so that's why I'm glad you brought it up. And it's a hard one. I'm, maybe I'm not doing a very good job of, um, of explaining it. But it's... <clears throat> well, there's no question that this time of life, um, you're forced to turn towards. That's right. These that's kinds, right. Of these questions. That's right. Forced to turn towards this mystery. That's right. And the mystery um, is is actually what we're talking about here. There's a way in which you can be not so caught up in old age and death, and. You also have to pay attention to old age and death. That's the relative and absolute compassion that I was talking about. And no matter where you stand, ultimate reality flows independent of all of that. But your personal perspectives, you're always going to be a human. Like Stephanie said, it's always going to be personal. Mm. Even, as you, even as you have a realization that steps beyond. But guess what's held within that beyond is the personal Compassion doesn't disappear. You can step back as far as you want, but you're going to be looking back at your own frail body, even as you do. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to be reminded of it, essentially every time you turn around, every time you look in the mirror, seeing my... I know, you have to look at yourself. Face on the screen, it's like... Every time you got to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom once again... And then your feet hurt when you stand up. And <laughs> well, and of course, too. I mean, this is a time of loss. I mean, oh God, it's all around us, yeah. Well, and, you know, at this age, I mean, losing parents, friends, you know, friends older, friends younger. It's yes. This past Saturday, the 13th, was the day my father had a, a problem with his esophagus. And went into the hospital on the 14th on Valentine's Day. It was the day he had a procedure to relieve him of the blockage. So he was in the hospital for a couple of days, one year ago today. And then he went into um, a rehab hospital for a while. So we couldn't see him because the pandemic happened. And then finally, when he came home, he came home in hospice and died. So this, these few days right now were the beginning of the end. 
last year. This is the one year anniversary of that decline. So I'm very, exactly what you're saying, Steve, it's really close. And there's a million stories. Mine's just that one. Thanks for coming on. It's so good to see you and hear you. Good to see you, Flint. Mm -hmm. You know, our rhythm today is just perfect. As we connect and speak and reflect and, and feel each other, we touch and embody the, the deepest kind of everyday human compassion. And then we step back and maybe no hands are raised, no one's coming forward we step back into the spaciousness, the sky-like nature of mind, and just rest in the silence and the simplicity, the stillness. Cassie. Hi. Hi there. Um, I'm in a new location based on snow and outages. Yes, I see that. Yeah. So, Are you in, um, in Austin or? I'm in Austin. I'm with my uh, John Chipman's family. Oh, okay. Uh, but you're not at Arlington. I didn't know if you were with your mom. No, I didn't. Yeah, I can't I get there. I had, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get there. Thought I had things to do, and course you know you're finding out that no no you no you don't have things to do you just thought you did um but i wanted to reflect on um you know how i'm also experiencing you know these young children who the snow is play mm -hmm. you know that there's this revelry for them around all of that that is is a really nice balance uh for you know everything else that it is and <laughs> what uh, what the love for me being here is like um because it's like full-time family it's not like a little bit of family like oh i got a little family hit you know but this is like no you're going to be completely saturated you're going to spend the night immersed. you're not coming back you're immersed you think you're leaving and you're not leaving you think you're leaving and you're not leaving and um oh wait max 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 <laughs> I want to share with you, this is my Max and what he means to me. Uh, just. You see his little face? <laughs> hey, Max, I've heard about you forever. I'm Wait, here you go. I know. I've heard about you. <laughs> Say it again for him. I said, I've um, heard about you forever and now I get to see you. <laughs> yeah, I just came out from the snow. <laughs> well, but keep enjoying it. That's great. You don't get it very often there. Yeah. Um, and then what, uh, oh, this little thing is funny, um, saying the Heart Sutra out loud, you know, so then they're here, they're seeing me have the, like they've heard about my practice, but they they hadn't like really seen it before. And, uh, you, you know, I was reading along with me. It. What? You were reading along with me? Oh, yes, of course. Good, good. Uh, and what happened? Just whoosh, because it was, it was uh, my practice being witnessed, 
it wasn't like a little secret hidden practice that then that you get little pieces of it was like oh here's here's the here's here's the main course of uh how it is so the the love was happening the love was happening yeah yeah and you know i just turn into you know a gushing puddle of love every time max is in the room <laughs> you know it just <laughs> uh -huh. he's your boy and he's my boy you know uh we we've chosen each other in some sort of way and it's uh really wonderful to to be with him and the oh. whole family of course but that's right i don't know the exact number but uh, all i want to say is thank you for however many years oh it's 21 21 <laughs> we're adult now yeah so thank you for that it's still leaking after all these years yeah just yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so, like, the, like the first time we met like the first time we met in the first months all those months where i couldn't even speak all i could do was cry yeah when these teachings started to move in you and i and i had realized how much i had not only was cutting myself off from it but like tried to kill it well, yeah, there was a lot to overcome with uh, some of the old church stuff, which we've all had to find our way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, thank, thank you, thank you for being here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I don't know when I'll be back to my house to have internet to post these things. So, you know, right. for those who might be in the YouTube thing, it might be a little later. Yeah, because Cassie's the one who posts the videos, so. <laughs> so uh, but now you know the. Uh, but now you know the title of today. Heart Sutra is a love poem. Okay. Got it. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. Hi, Rosemary. Um, hi, Flint. Hi. Um, hi. Um, I wanted to, well, first of all, Cassie, thank you for doing your piece with the recordings. I didn't know that. And it's it's wonderful. So thank you for what you do. Um, Lifeline <laughs> to that. Yeah. Just like Kim and Jessica, make sure we happen, you know. It's wonderful. You know, I appreciate all the behind the scenes. Um, and for today, Flint, um, the compassion and love piece and the interconnected piece was so um, such a great reminder based on what's happening in our country today and to really, you know, feel that, okay, there's a piece of me in that person, really? You know, and, and you know, um, so that's a challenge. And um, an experience yesterday where I got in touch with something about myself, not so flattering um, to me, just, just a little piece of rebellion and, um, you know, um, uh, acting out against authority and I thought me and okay well there you go this this the feeling yeah just a little bit of insurrection here and there exactly exactly mm -hmm. yeah so yeah. anyway I appreciated the reminder about that sister Good. and I, I appreciate uh, because I know that you've come to practice relatively recently uh not not too long i'm just and i appreciate what what an appetite you have what a sponge you are how much you 
how much you're really taking this on. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love it. <laughs> it, 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 seems, it seems like it really matters to you. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because all of my years as a therapist, being in therapy, and I thought before the pandemic, I have a great life. I like myself. I know myself. And Zen has, you know, in practice especially, has just brought a whole other layer. Um, and like yesterday, that was a little difficult because it's something that I didn't know and right. that I had to face. And um, yeah, so I, yeah, I'm loving it. Well, you know, that's uh, you're, what you're saying is the embodied everyday realization of why this thing is called the Wisdom Beyond Wisdom Sutra, um, because we learn a lot as a psychologist, as a psychotherapist, you know, same kind of thing. And we can learn, develop, change, grow, mature beautifully into a, a good adult human. And then suddenly a little door opens, realize, oh, and there's actually another step. It actually exactly. goes beyond. It's the, it's the wisdom and maturity that's beyond ordinary maturity. And that's, that can be a little bit of a scary challenge, but it's a huge gift. Because that means we can be help to others in a different way, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thank you so much. Blake, Thank you. For Thank you. Hi, Eileen. That was very fast. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Um, I want uh, thank you for your teaching, Flint. Um, I want uh, I wanted I appreciated your bringing up this notion of boundless compassion or compassion. I am finding that it is so important to remember to bring boundless compassion toward myself mm -hmm. and toward the circumstances in my life. You know, boundless compassion towards my anger. You know, boundless compassion towards the things that you wish didn't come up. Mm -hmm. And also boundless compassion toward the circumstance in which they arise and toward the person who somehow is a part of that anger arising. Uh, and, and compassion toward their response, you know, mm -hmm. in this. Uh, so I just want to thank you. You're bringing, it was such a pleasant surprise for you to bring this up today. And uh, it is a love story, a love poem, a love sutra. So I just wanted to remind, well, offer to everybody the great benefit of this boundless compassion toward ourselves. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, there's actually, when you understand boundlessness, I don't know about understand, but when you begin to apprehend something of what that is, you realize everything's included. It doesn't mean it's some special state against other states. Super simple. If I were to ask you, and you've done this kind of thing before, I say, oh, okay, Eileen, sit as boundlessness. <laughs> you know, and I say, okay, now who are you? You say, everything. At your boundless, right? Your boundlessness. Mm -hmm. How, what's included in you? Everything. What do you exclude? Nothing. Right. The marshals in town. Yeah. The... Including all those parts you don't like, 
It, because they require you. They need to be turned toward, not killed off. So, because everything is workable, everything can be transformed. No, and also the parts and others that you don't like that are your parts, right? Yeah. I mean, just all of that, and it's, it's so much better. It is, it so is. So much better. As long as you don't get too fearful, and that's why the bit in the Heart Sutra about fear, in fact, there's in one translation, it says beyond all, beyond all inverted views, we turn things the wrong way. We turn it back up. It's like, oh, we can do this. But we see in our country, for example, how damaging fear is because it causes violent rage. So it's, it's practical. Thank you for your teaching. Thank you very much for participating. Hello, Catherine. Hello, Flynn. Feeling very touched because, um, and thank you for everything you've said. One of the things that's happening for me is that things from the past, from my childhood and my upbringing, are sort of coming back mm -hmm. um, in a fresh way to be re-looked at and not rejected. So I was kind of noticing a similarity between what you were saying and the idea of incarnation. Mm -hmm. But the idea of boundlessness expressing itself in, in, in a human, in the human, so that the human can be elevated to the divine. That's kind of, you know, in orthodox teaching, not Protestant teaching maybe, but so yeah. that there's, so there's a descent and an elevation mm -hmm. and it felt like these were just different types of language for the same thing. Well, that's, <clears throat> those are certainly the um, images that we were raised with, Yeah. Uh, you and I, in a more uh, classical church mm -hmm. and they made sense and it's in our bones. And I think you are pointing to something that those old stories were attempting to express. The, the imminent incarnation of the universal in a human and that human's expression of the divine here and that that combination is what salvation or freedom or liberation or enlightenment is about. Yeah, a sort of allowing in of everything else, not a not a rejection of evil or whatever, but a, right. a huge opening. That's right, and that's why, for example, in the the Jesus stories, I mean, he would turn toward all the things everyone else would push away to show. No, you turn toward everything, which is exactly our teachings. So it's, uh, uh, is what you're saying that boundlessness expresses itself in form so that form can express itself into into boundlessness into form couldn't actually exist without boundlessness because what boundlessness is is the interpenetration of everything yeah. 
that boundless web of dependent origination creates form. So what is form? It's the expression of boundlessness in form. Yeah. And if you want to understand boundlessness, look at form. Don't, and, don't go off into the cosmos. And, it, and in these forms, boundlessness is becoming kind of conscious of itself. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That takes us even further. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I see that we've come to the end of our time. So uh, we will um, say together the four practice principles, which move us from that self-centered nature to the boundless nature by turning toward every moment, by using everything as uh, a way to understand this, excuse me, this connection. So listen to the words and see how it actually expresses what we've been speaking about. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, Life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you once again. supported through your generosity. You make such a huge difference. Thank you. Contributions can be made on the website at apamata.org. I'd like to invite everyone to continue this idea that we're not separate to a gathering in the fake kitchen that's online and you can get to it on the Appomattox calendar after inquiry. See you then.